Okay, we're gonna jump into this. Uh, this is a call to discipleship, part two. Um, if you've been following along in the discipleship journey book, we're gonna be reflecting on uh, chapter two, lesson two this morning. If you don't know what I'm talking about, that is all right. That is all right, okay? This will stand on its own, but it supplements maybe where you've been studying. And so um, let's pray one more time and just invite the Lord to guide us in this, and then we're gonna jump right in. And so, Lord Jesus, thank you that your plan to take over the world was for you to do something miraculous. You died on the cross and you rose again and then you went away. God, that surprises me. I would think you would have just stayed here and shown off. But God, your plan was to invest in people and that those people would go and invest in other people. And so discipleship, God, it is your plan, it is your vision for reaching this world with your gospel. And so God, would you help us be disciples of you? Help us grow in that. And God, as we grow and equip, we are grown and we are equipped as your disciples, God, may we turn around and go and do likewise. Be our guide, be our teacher this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. All right. Well, if you're like me, um, maybe you've noticed this on your own, um, even just partaking of the sermons the last few weeks, maybe in some study time, if you're doing the ADJ book, maybe in your life group, um, you've experienced something that, that we were talking about in our life group this last week. And that is, man, there is a lot of material. There's a lot of content related to being a disciple. And there are times where it can feel like, man, there's so much there. Like, and then I'm, I'm really aware of where I fall short. And so I've just been praying through this over the last few days, like, Lord, help us understand how to approach this. Um, and, and I read this quote by Tony Evans. I've been reading through a book of his this week. And I read this quote. I just, it's not a quote, actually, it's a concept. So I'm just gonna unpack it briefly. Um, but he talks about the idea of being a kingdom disciple. Like that's what this is about, being a disciple of Jesus and seeing God's kingdom at work in the world. And he said, we need to understand something. The content of the gospel is simple. It's simple. It's Jesus dying on the cross, being buried, raising from the dead, and now us awaiting his imminent return. It's the, the life, the death, the burial, the resurrection, and, the, and our coming king. That's the gospel. It's simple. The content's simple. It never needs to be complicated. But being a disciple of Jesus means the content of the gospel. There's now the scope of the gospel. And it is that the gospel of Jesus is meant to touch every aspect of my life and permeate down through my life into the world around me. And so as we're growing as disciples, as we're partaking of stuff that's, that's calling us to have our character sharpened, right? Because that's one of the key things we talked about last Sunday, being a disciple is about our character growing. And then the other thing we talked about is, is living with purpose. His purposes, not, not the ones I come up with. His purposes. As we dive into this stuff, it's not a list of things to do or a standard that I'm falling short of. I'm getting a glimpse of how the scope of the gospel touches my life and the world around me. Does that make sense? And so don't be overwhelmed. Grab, grab what he's giving you for today. 
Lord, I want to see that area of my life grow and expand and allow your gospel to be present there, allow you to work. How does your death, burial, resurrection, and imminent return affect this? This aspect of my heart, my life, this relationship I'm in. And so what we're gonna do this morning is is we're gonna focus our attention specifically on the topic of forgiveness. Forgiveness, okay? So as we move through the next few weeks and in our book, there's about six or seven qualities or characteristics that we're unpacking. One of them is forgiveness. That's a huge component to being a follower of Jesus. And so my hope is that we're gonna see the content of the gospel at work in the area of forgiveness. And then we're gonna see how the scope of forgiveness affects my everyday life. All right, we ready for this? Okay, so three things this morning as we talk about forgiveness. Number one, we need to be able to receive forgiveness. We talk about receiving it. Number two, I need to seek it. And number three, I need to practice it. Receive it, seek it, practice it. Here we go. Number one, receiving forgiveness. Probably the single most stunning and clear picture of forgiveness is displayed on the cross. And so I, I want to take us there. In Luke chapter 23, you can read this, this whole portion of Scripture, verses 32 through 43. We're going to look at a couple of pieces of it, a couple pieces of it. Luke 23, beginning in verse 32. Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with Jesus. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right, one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I mean, we could just like sit there, right, all morning. I can't wrap my head around that. First of all, a lot of people there knew appeared to know exactly what they were doing. We're we're mad at him. We're jealous of him. We are intentionally scheming to see him killed, even though he's innocent. And yet at at the root of forgiveness is Christ on the cross, dying for the very people who are killing him. And he's saying they don't really understand what they're doing. Guys, the first thing we see about forgiveness, it's costly. It's costly. The person doing the forgiving, it costs them. It costs Jesus something. And he so believed, he so lived the gospel he had taught, like he taught forgiveness. And he so believed the content of what he taught that he lived it even at the most extreme moment of his life. Listen, he could have forgiven the people that crucified him later, right? Like maybe after he rose from the grave. Like I'm on the other side of this now. I've gone through the suffering. I've been buried. Now I'm in my glorified body. Life's good. I'm redeemed. Like this is amazing. I've got good news to share. And oh, by the way, I forgive you guys. It's all good now. He forgave while he was bleeding and dying on the cross. 
I don't want to skip ahead too much, but, but our forgiveness of others has to be tethered to, to Christ's forgiveness for us. Because see, part of what makes forgiveness so hard for me is it costs me something. And usually the moment when I should forgive is while I'm still suffering. I can't do that. I don't know how to do that. I'm terrible at that. So I look to my Jesus. That's what he's like. That's what he did. And, and I'm his disciple. So Jesus, help. Help. Help me be like that. Receive forgiveness. The next several verses go on and we see there's much mocking that follows. Those who are crucifying him, those who are observing, um, even these very criminals. You know, if you read the different gospels, several of them kind of give the story of these criminals. And, and in Luke's gospel, it doesn't make it as clear. But in other gospels, it makes it clear that both of them were participating in mocking him. Consider that. Now, verse 39. One of the criminals who was hanged railed at him saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. Remember that. Save yourself and us. I'm demanding something of you as you're suffering and dying. Save yourself and us. He joins in with the mocking. But the other rebuked him saying, do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? Listen to this, verse 41, this is important. And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Verse 42, and he said to Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. There's some things that are true about this situation. The thief on the cross deserved to be there. Jesus didn't. He deserved to be there. He had done something wrong that led to this moment. He deserved to be there. Secondly, he initially mocked Jesus. And thirdly, listen to this, friends. He did nothing to deserve forgiveness. Think about that. He's on the cross. He doesn't have the opportunity to go do some good stuff now. He doesn't have time to go make amends. He's done nothing to deserve forgiveness, yet Jesus freely gives it. And, and Jesus says to him, Today you'll be with me in paradise. Here we are at the worst moment ever. Like we are on the cross. It's a brutal way to die. We are suffering. We are dying. And this guy knows he deserves to be there. Like this is my own fault. My life has led to this. My mistake filled, like the wretched life I've lived has led to this. And as they're up there together, Jesus says to him, today, you'll be with me in paradise. This is what Paul is talking about for all of us in Colossians chapter one, verses 13 and 14. Look at this. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness 
and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. I'm the thief on the cross. Like, we, we have to be aware of that. I'm the thief on the cross. My domain is darkness. But he has transferred me into the domain of light. He's brought me into his kingdom. He's forgiven and cleansed my sins. Therefore, number one, I need to recognize my need. See, for some of us, our obstacle to receiving forgiveness is like, we're just closed off to the fact that we even need it. I'm more aware of how the world has wronged me. And I'm waiting for God to show up and do something about it. That's the voice of the other criminal. That's what he's saying. Save yourself and us. Look how the world's wronging us. Aren't you gonna step in here and put a stop to this? Am I more aware of how the world has made life difficult for me and how I've been wrong than I am aware of my great need for forgiveness? See, for, for some of us, receiving forgiveness, we just need to start right there. God, am I, am I living in that conscious awareness that I need you and your forgiveness? For others of us, we just need to, we need to find ourselves doing what the, the thief on the cross did. Like he calls on his name and he relied on his love. That's it. <laughs> Jesus, will you remember me? He called out to him and relied on his love. That's all we bring to the table. See, for some of us, we have a hard time receiving forgiveness because we just don't feel like we deserve it. Guess what? We're right. We don't. But Jesus has removed that obstacle. We don't deserve it, but he freely gives it. Friends, for some of us, we just, we need to allow the gospel of Jesus, the content of the gospel to meet us and remind us, yeah, I might not be worthy of forgiveness, but God longs to lavish it on me. It's a beautiful gift that he has secured at great cost to himself. And he wants me to partake of it, to receive it, to enjoy it, not to feel like I have to earn it or deserve it. No, I, I get to receive it. Now, a lot of this might just sound to you like, Jake, this just sounds like one of those like gospel messages that you preach at a rally somewhere where there's, there's, you know, unbelievers who've never met Jesus and you're inviting them to know him. And like, yes, absolutely. We should preach the message of the cross and the free gift of eternal life and the free gift of the forgiveness of Jesus. But friends, this is about more than a moment. This is a way of life. Did you, did you hear Paul's words there? We are transferred into his kingdom. His kingdom is established on forgiveness. This is now a way of life. And see, some of us, I think, maybe get hung up, unable to receive his forgiveness because I'm aware that back here, like pre-Jesus days, he forgave me of those sins. But like now I'm supposed to be walking with him, but look at the stuff I still do. Isn't he just disappointed in me? Haven't I just let him down one more time? Maybe I even feel like, well, I know myself. I can ask him forgiveness right now, but like, I'm pretty sure I'm gonna do this again on Wednesday. 
This is meant to be a way of life. Understanding that our God's mercies are new. When? Oh, not just that one moment when I came to him for the first time in my life. And now the rest of my walk with him, he's just up there like really unhappy with me not being a good Christian. His mercies are new every morning. Why do they need to be new every morning? Because I'm pretty much gonna need forgiveness just about every single day. (laughs) I mean, that's me. Like, maybe that's you too, but that's definitely me. Maybe you're like a once or weaker, I don't know. But I, I'm, a, I'm a pretty much everyday kind of guy. His mercies are new every day. All right, I wanna, I wanna do this with you really quick before we move on to point number two. And I would, I would encourage you to spend some time in this on your own. But Psalm 103 is this beautiful reflection on the forgiveness that's available to us in God, on his mercy and what he does for us. So I wanna give you a taste of this because sometimes, you know, we read those like, those little Instagram, like one little verse out of context, which they're great. Like I'm all for like a single verse. There's good stuff. But Psalm 103 has a lot that we hear a bunch and we may not even realize it's all a part of like one big text. And so I want you to just hear some of this. So I'm not gonna read the whole Psalm. I'm gonna give you bits and pieces pulled from Psalm 103. So I want you to notice the first thing the psalmist is calling us to do. This is from verse two. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. So kind of the launching point of the psalm is like, this psalm exists as a reminder of all the benefits I have in him. So what are the benefits of this wonderful God? Well, from verse three, he forgives all your iniquity. I've said this before, I'll say it again. The word all there, it's not a really mysterious Hebrew word. It just means all. He forgives all my iniquity. What else does he do? He redeems my life from the pit. You ever just feel stuck in the pit? Like I can't get out of this pattern of behavior, this way of thinking. I'm just, I'm overwhelmed by my own sin or maybe the sins of others against me. He redeems us out of the pit. He crowns you with steadfast love and mercy crowns you with it. Have you ever watched a little girl walk around with a tiara on? They just, they carry themselves just a little different. Like I, right now, this little plastic tiara, I am like the princess. He crowns us with steadfast love and mercy. I can carry my head a little higher not because of what I've done, because I can count on, like steadfast, I can count on his love and his mercy. Verse five, from verse five. He satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. You wanna feel old, weary, tired and drained? Be stuck under the weight of guilt and condemnation. That'll age you. You want your youth renewed? Receive his forgiveness and let him, let him take off that weight. And you'll have that, that princess look. Ladies, guys, we'll have that princely, manly look, I promise. It's, it's manly for the guys. Verse eight, the Lord is merciful and gracious. He's slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. I love this one. He does not deal with us according to our sins, 
nor repay us according to our iniquities. That's forgiveness. That thief on the cross, Jesus didn't see him or treat him as a thief on a cross. He treated him as one of his kids that he loved. What else does he do? Well, as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions for us, from us. There have been long chunks of my life where, where when I look at myself, all I can see is the stuff. A stuck place. A place of addiction or a stronghold. Maybe I don't even see all the victory that God has produced in my life. I just see this one area where I'm still like here. But he says he removes our transgressions from us as far as the east is from the west. I love that. For he knows our frame and remembers that we are dust. He's easier on us than we are on ourselves. Are there any, any other like serial, um, how do I say this? You beat yourself up like people in the room, like my hands up, like I beat myself up. But God goes, hey, I get it. You're dust, man. It's tough. <laughs> it's tough. He has, he has grace for us. He gets it. Finally, the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. By the way, that's what the thief on the cross said. He looked at the other guy and he said, don't you fear God? <laughs> For those who fear him, his love is from everlasting to everlasting. So just in case you didn't think eternity was enough, like stack another eternity on top of that. Like, in other words, what he's saying is I mean it. When he says, I forgive you freely, I forgive all your iniquity. He means it. Everlasting. See, some of us in this room, guys, this might be all we need to hear this morning. Like, I've got two more points, but like your point of application, they might just simply be, God, I need to get better at receiving your forgiveness. I need to unpack that gift. I need to take what is available that, you, that you've done for me. Of course I don't, don't deserve it. Of course I can't earn it, but you love me. And you, you want to renew my youth. And so God, help me to receive your forgiveness. How different might our homes look? How different might we operate in our relationships with family, friends, coworkers, irritable neighbors? If, if we just lived forgiven, how much lighter might we be if we understood how forgiven we are? See, as we move into number two here and we start talking about how we relate to one another, like maybe I'll be able to look at other people and go, oh, they're just dust too. But if I'm, if I'm holding myself to an impossible standard and beating myself up, guess what I'm gonna do to other people? Same thing. Receive forgiveness. Number two. Seek forgiveness. We're gonna spend kind of the rest of the morning in Matthew chapter 18. So if you wanna turn there to follow along, you can. We're gonna start um, just looking at verses 15 through 17. Seek forgiveness. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have done what? Won or gained 
your brother. This is really important. Why do we go to someone when there's an issue? Is it to wag the finger in their face, hold them accountable? To gain a brother, to gain a sister, to win them back if it's been fractured. So you go one-on-one. Like if it's their fault, and like I want you to consider as we're reading through this, like there's times where we're gonna be the person that's like, I've been wounded and so I'm seeking forgiveness, seeking to reconcile because I've been wounded. There's also times where we're the one that's done the wounding. Like I'm on the other side of that. Do I wanna seek forgiveness? Like I need it. Verse 16, but if he does not listen, give up. Move on, cut him off. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. See, there's a really good chance that you bring some other people into it. They're gonna go, like, I'll just, I'll, I'll pick on, I'll use me and Alex for an example here, right? Like, we get a fight, I'm mad at him, it's his fault. He's not hearing it. Probably because he realizes, no, Jake, actually, it's your fault. <laughs> right? So I go, okay. This would be a, probably a terrible idea, but hey, Amy, Crystal, y'all want to get in on this and help us out? <laughs> Maybe I'd get a couple deacons or something. I don't know. Hey, like ladies, come together, help us sort this out, right? And so I bring two or three more. It's not just to like make him feel guilty or hold him accountable. You know what those other voices are going to do? They're going to hear the whole story and go, hey, Jake, you're contributing to this too, buddy. It allows the truth to emerge because often in our relational conflict, I mean, there are times where just flat out somebody just wounds us and we just got run over and we did nothing to deserve it. But often in our relationships, there's like a two-way street of wounding that's gone on. And if we can't seem to work it out one-on-one, not to angrily confront the other person, but so that, that truth can emerge and reconciliation can happen, like let's bring in a couple more perspectives. Like, am I missing something? Am I not seeing it? And then they can weigh in and go, hey, like, I think there's a place here where like both of you kind of need to meet each other. Or they can go, hey, flat out, like, man, Alex is, is hurt because you hurt him. <laughs> you need to see that and make it right. Does that make sense? Is this making sense? Okay. Verse 17. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. If he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. So many people read this portion of scripture looking for justification to blackball someone. I am, I am using this as an opportunity to go, someone has hurt me and it gives me an excuse to shove them out. What Jesus is trying to do is establish a sense of urgency of how important it is to resolve conflict. It's, it's so urgent that as, as people in the family of God, like our relationships need to be tended to and they're worth fighting for. And like this whole thing, this whole thing is rooted in forgiveness. We're only in the family of God because of forgiveness that was undeserved. And so Jesus is saying, we gotta pursue this stuff because it's essential. Like when he gets to the point of like, let him be as a Gentile or tax collector. He's like saying like, you don't want it to get to that point. Don't let it go that far. Don't let it get that ugly. Like 
it can get so bad that we're totally disconnected. So fight for this thing. He's, he's encouraging us to seek the opportunity to reconcile. See, remember, being a disciple is about the scope of the gospel permeating our lives. Is forgiveness a defining characteristic in my life and in my relationships? Friends, living in community and being the church is hard because we are but dust. And so it's gonna require an atmosphere of forgiveness, of seeking each other out to reconcile relationships. So will I seek that? So I wanna give you two examples of this in the New Testament, just kind of to help us get a sense of how do I let this permeate my life? Why would I do that? 1 John chapter 1, verses seven through nine. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light. Okay, pause right there. What kingdom did Jesus transfer us out of? The domain of darkness. And he transferred us into the kingdom of light. So in my relationship with him, he's brought me into the light. Now, as someone living as a follower of Jesus in the kingdom of light, I'm being encouraged to then walk in the light as he is in the light. And we have what then? fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all our sin. See, as we're committed to walking in the light together, we're gonna need his blood to cleanse us often along the way. This isn't just a a one-time thing. It is, I, I don't mean the work of the cross wasn't enough. I mean, applying it to our lives is a conscious decision that we make in particular situations with particular people at any given time. I need to apply the blood to extend and receive forgiveness. I need to seek it out. Verse eight, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. See, the more I resist his forgiveness, the harder it is for me to operate this way, forgiving and being forgiven. And so I begin to live based on a lie. I live life based on a lie. Fighting, clawing, defending myself, defending my turf, defending my opinion. And I I become self-deceived and I I can't see how I contribute to the difficulties in the relationships that I have. So if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This may not always work out, but if I at least commit myself to confess sins, he he will forgive me. Hopefully they will too. See, part of the, the reason I describe this is seeking forgiveness is I believe often when there's a problem in our relationships, we focus on like as, as the offending party, like if I've done the wrong, we focus on like the repentance piece, right? Like I need to say, I'm sorry. And I think part of that is it gets driven into us at a young age, right? Like I can't tell you how many times I've made my kids like, you're going to say, sorry, you're going to say, I forgive you. We're going to hug. We're going to move on. Right. But we're trying to establish something. But I, I think that this would go a lot better if we realize I'm not just saying I'm sorry, 
I'm asking them for something that is very precious and costly. Mickey, will you forgive me? If I'm aware of what it costs for me to be forgiven, if I'm aware of wounds I've experienced in my life and how much it costs me to choose to forgive someone that really hurt me, then I might better understand when I'm approaching someone who seems like they're defensive and their walls are up and they're not ready to move past it yet, I might have some sensitivity to that. I'm asking them for something costly. I'm asking them to forgive me and that costs something. Not just, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? Does this make sense? All right, next verse. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Here's where character and purpose meet as my character is growing as a person who can walk in forgiveness. Now I join him in his purposes. See in the book, like it listed the disciples' causes and one of them was being a minister of reconciliation, an ambassador. As my character grows and stretches and I become a person who gives and receives forgiveness, I join him in what he's up to in the world. See, this is actually the stuff of ministry. Do you realize you're doing ministry when you choose to forgive someone? You're doing ministry in that moment. This is, this is what it's all about, reconciliation. And so he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19, that is that in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message, the content of the gospel, the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. You forgiving someone who has deeply hurt you might be the most someone ever experiences of Jesus. Did you catch that? In one of the most difficult, painful moments of your life, when you are hurting, when you are wounded, when you've been betrayed by someone you care about, you choosing to extend forgiveness, even though every emotion in you is saying, no, I can't do that. They don't deserve it. They haven't even asked me for it. Yet when we choose to walk in forgiveness, there's all kinds of powerful things it does in us. But friends, we are extending the forgiveness of God to someone. They may get no other taste of that, but right there in that moment from you, what a beautiful picture. We're participating in the gospel of Jesus. We're being a disciple of Jesus. We're becoming like him just by choosing to forgive. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. I get to be right with him because of what he does. Friends, there is immense power for the gospel that is at work in our midst when we grow in the area of forgiveness. There's a reason I paused in Matthew 18 where we did. 
We're going to come back to it now. And I want you to see these next verses in the context they were intended. We just read about the importance of forgiving and reconciling. And then Jesus says these words. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, see, he's building on the same thought. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. Where is their miraculous power to work in our midst? In the context of forgiveness. The church is so desperate to see a work of God. Man, I wish our culture would just change. I can't believe some of the crazy roads we're going down, the things that are being normalized and made okay. I can't believe the persecution that's coming on us more and more as followers of Jesus. And, you know, why doesn't the church just rise up in some unity and see God's power move? And, man, I wish we saw more miracles. And when's revival coming? Like, all these things we're desperate for. And Jesus is saying, hey, guys, it's really simple. Forgive each other. Let my grace pour out in your lives. Forgive each other in your families, in your church community. Reach across denominational aisles. Embrace one another. There's power when we come together. How do we come together? We reconcile. We reconcile. If we want to see the power of God in our midst, we don't just need two or three people in a prayer circle for, for 20 minutes together. Like, I believe in that. We pray in a circle every, for 20 minutes every Sunday over what's happening in here. But like, what, what makes more of a difference is that circle is me looking at Jordan going, dude, we got to work this thing out. Like, I want to see a miracle. Here's a miracle. Will you forgive me? Like, I hurt you. I wounded you. Will you forgive me? That kind of, openness, honesty, like real stuff, rubber meets, the moats, rubber meets the road stuff. Like, let's work it out. And you talk about a miracle, a person that can extend forgiveness to someone who doesn't deserve it, that's a miracle. You wanna see a miracle? Choose to forgive someone who's really hurt you when your emotions aren't feeling it and stick with that decision. Every time they come to mind, pray for them. Father, help me forgive them. Jesus, help me forgive them. Lord, they're in your hands. I pray the best over their life. Not, man, I, I hope they fail and get exposed for who they really are. You know why that example comes to my mind? Because I've thought it. God, forgive me. Pray for those who despise you, who mistreat you, who use you. Love your enemies. All right? Listen, friends, there's power in unity. Not faked, not put on for a show, not put on for, for a cool little combined service where eight churches in the area have a little moment together, like real union and community rooted in the gospel of Jesus. The simplicity of the gospel playing out 
large scale in our lives and relationships. Last thing, I'll leave you with this. I know it's the third point. You're probably thinking, wow, he's going to take as long on this one as he did on one and two. It's really just a a simple last point, okay? Um, It ties in with the other two, all right? If If it's receiving forgiveness and seeking forgiveness, the last thing is let's practice forgiveness. The very next verse, I, I love this. Peter is just, for, for as much as like, you know, he just seems like a knucklehead sometimes. Like he always just gets to the most practical aspect of things. Like even when he's saying something kind of obnoxious, it's like, yeah, but he has a point. <laughs> like he's just so, he thinks so practically. So he's like, okay, Jesus, we're supposed to work stuff out and there's power when he do, that's great, cool. Let's just get right down to it. Verse 21, then Peter came up to him and said, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Like, how much do I really have to do this? Like, when is, when is enough enough? When have I been hurt enough? As many times as seven? You know Peter wanted to say three. Like, that was his little stretch of faith, right? Like, he wants to say three, as many as seven? I'll get to seven. And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Well, that's discouraging. (laughs) Listen, we still live physically in the domain of darkness. We are going to be in situations and circumstances in our relationships where it hurts. There's gonna be times where we need to forgive someone but like it's still ongoing. Like this is an unresolved situation. This is a person that they haven't changed and I still have to deal with the mess. And Jesus says, just keep on forgiving. And he goes on to tell a beautiful story. I'll let you read it on your own. But the next chunk of verses, he just gets right right to the heart of the issue. Here's a guy that's been forgiven an immense amount. And then how quickly he forgets and hold someone else for a small amount that he refuses to forgive. And he wraps up the whole thing just by simply saying, you need to forgive your brother from your heart. He's after our heart. He's after our character. He wants to pour out his love into our lives. He wants us to live so overwhelmed by the power of his forgiveness that we can't but help to forgive other people. If you have a hard time forgiving other people, there's a really good chance that maybe you're having a hard time receiving forgiveness from God. I wanna close with this. And if I go too quickly and you feel like, oh, I wanted to write those down and I couldn't, they will be in my notes, okay? You can get a hold of these later this week. But I wanna close with this for reflection. This is just some things to consider. You can do this in this moment right now if you want for a second. I'd encourage you to do it on your own later. And this is just my list, okay? This is just my list. I want you to consider some reasons you may avoid receiving forgiveness from God. Let's start there. What are some reasons I may avoid receiving forgiveness from God? I don't want to be forgiven. Like perhaps my pride is just resisting it. I don't know him anything. This is the hand I was dealt. This is the life I've lived. I don't know him anything. And maybe in my pride, I'm just resisting the fact that I actually do need to be forgiven. Similar to that one. I haven't done anything wrong. 
I haven't done anything wrong. Maybe I have some blinders up or, or I just have excuses. Like, yeah, I know I'm not, I know I make mistakes, but like, you know, everybody does. I've done a lot better in this world than, than others. I've done better to others than what's been done to me. Maybe the reason we have trouble avoiding or receiving forgiveness is I don't deserve forgiveness. I feel like I don't deserve it. Maybe what I did was too much. You know, like these sweet Christian people talk about forgiveness, but like, man, they haven't done some of the things I've done. It's too much. It's not in God's eyes. Maybe I feel like I don't deserve forgiveness because I'm still struggling and will probably just do it again. I kind of mentioned that one earlier. Gosh, I just feel like I'm on this treadmill of asking for forgiveness for this thing I keep doing. Well, ask one more time. Because the same God who said to us, forgive 70 times seven, guess what he does? He forgives like that. He hasn't given up on you. Receive that forgiveness. Maybe I don't deserve forgiveness because I believe Jesus gave me, forgave my before Christ sins, but I've been unfaithful since. And that's a betrayal of his love. I lived under that for a long time. I still have a tendency to go there when I'm struggling. Like, God, how could I do that? I've known you this long. I've walked with you this long. What's wrong with me? Thank you for your past forgiveness, but like, aren't you just done with me yet? No, his forgiveness is available. What about considering some reasons you may avoid forgiving other people? I'd start by like going back through that same list. I didn't feel like I've done anything wrong or they don't think they've done anything wrong to me, so then why would I forgive them? Here's some additional ones. They aren't sorry. The hurt is ongoing. I'm still suffering from what they did, so they should suffer too. Maybe you've got more you would put on your list. Friends, the gospel of Jesus is good news. The forgiveness that he extends freely to us is good news. It's not meant to just bring us to a one-time prayer and decision for Christ. This is meant to permeate our lives so that, that we live out this gospel, receiving his forgiveness along the way, extending it to one another, seeking it from someone when we've hurt them. Wow, what would a community like that look like? Disciples of Jesus who, are, who know they're forgiven and seek to extend that to one another. That, like, that might change a community. That might highlight the glory of Jesus to some people in need of this same forgiveness. Amen? Like it's not a complicated message, right? Maybe you didn't even learn a lot new this morning. Is this hard though? Yeah, yeah. But by God's grace, we are forgiven. And by God's grace, we can forgive. Amen? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, as we commit our lives to following you, God, to growing in character, to, to living with your kingdom purposes, Lord, would you help us to take hold of the life that you have for us? God, would, would forgiveness, would your forgiveness over us, would it permeate our hearts? God, would our hearts be set free 
and renewed with, with youth and enthusiasm. God, may we wear our crowns, not because of who we are or what we've done, but because of you, because of your forgiveness that you've extended. We are princes and princesses because of your steadfast love. May we live out of that. God, I just pray this week even, you would just tangibly show us some ways that we can walk this out. God, if we're struggling to receive forgiveness from you, may we, may we be able to take hold of it. God, if we're struggling to extend it to others, or maybe we need some humility and we need to seek out receiving forgiveness from someone else. God, would you reveal that to us? And may we take the next right step in forgiveness. It's in Jesus' name we pray this morning. Amen.